Welcome back. This is the fifth episode of AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. Joining me today to talk about collecting records is Canadian electronic music pioneer Colin de la Plante, better known by his stage name, The Mole. Colin was an essential player in the electronic music scene on Canada's west coast before moving to Montreal and eventually Berlin. He's been buying records since he was a teenager, collecting everything from classic rock to Brazilian funk, house, disco, minimal, and everything in between. You can check out the records mentioned in this interview on the new Facebook page for AIR, linked below. joining me it's my pleasure <laughs> so i want to start off with a quote from the novelist alan gorganis who said that collections collect collectors it doesn't work the other way around a certain object misses its own kind and communicates that to a person who surrounds it with rhyming items would you say that's true or is that kind of romanticizing things a bit too much i was with it until it became about one individual item it seems like uh the like uh yeah, I could see it as sort of a hive thing, you know, as they were all together gathering their people, you know, to flock together. But yeah, I guess they, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. It definitely feels like a sickness. I don't think I'm in control of my own collection. Do you feel like your record collection has collected you in some way? It's changed me, that's for sure. It's it's changed me. It's, it's given me some kind of... Uh, Education, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sort of. It's, it's given me some different set of experiences I wouldn't have had as well. Like what? Well, the little windows into time, I guess. Like records, I collect records, obviously. Yeah. So I mean, just the 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 captured little moments that they are, you know, because they are whatever moments in time. Yeah, maybe the the uh, the learning from them all too. You know, there's all these lessons in them, in the failures and the successes, I guess, and everything. Yeah. What kind of lessons have you learned from your record collection? Uh, music. You know, learned about music, learned about the history of music, and and what it is that puts them together, songs and records and. And and then you know who who's been part of it and what they how they did it and I mean there's little stories in all of them I guess and in the art there's stories too all the essays and all that kind of jive it's full of information. Can you think of a particular example? It's 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 so full of stuff like even the collecting part is 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 you know. Uh, being out there in the wild and finding stuff. I mean, I, what, should I grab one and sure, look? Sure, yeah, I mean, do it. it, it, it like, that <clears throat> might be the way to, you know, I, uh, I don't know, what's, well, this, oh yeah, there you go. Right, <laughs> Art Blakey, meet you at the jazz corner of the world. You know, there's an essay right away on the back. That, we don't see that so much these days, but, uh, yeah. And what a, what a group, Lee Morgan, Wayne Shorter, Bobby Timmons. Jimmy Merritt. Where'd you find this record? This was in Montreal. It must have been in Montreal. Um, I'm not positive where. But, uh, you know, it's... Right away, it's full of, uh, it's full of all the good stuff. Uh, it's Blue Note, you know, two Germans <laughs> who started it. One of Monk's songs is on there. It, things from this sort of stuff it's 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 the the band as a group it's how it was in the what uh what is this the f 60s 50s yeah no I, oh and there's an intro that's nice it's easy to get distracted by this <laughs> so do you still listen to this 
record pretty often? I mean, how often do you listen to it? You have a huge wall here. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just constantly listening to it. I'm, I'm always uh, trying, to, trying to go through it, you know, and, and, uh, and refresh. It's obviously a lot of time. So many records, but I've gone through them all at least once. Like when they come home, they they get listened to. Do you feel like all your records belong together, as Scorganis put it, or are they simply kind of a product of your own decisions as a person who buys records? I mean, like in the greater sense of records and any kind of collection being together, sure. Like I suppose all tin, tin metal toys belong together or, mm-hmm. or something, you know. But maybe they don't. It is weird to have a collection of what. Giant horns? No, probably cool, actually. It's probably weird to have a collection of wiener dogs. That's probably weird, you know? More than two and you're some kind of weirdo. So, yeah, do they belong together as a group? Sure, yeah, they, they love being together, I suppose. But but uh, these particular ones, I don't know if they belong together. So would you say that the, the actual act of being a collector maybe says more about you than your collection itself? I wonder. I wonder. You know, I, I, like, I honestly feel like it's a sickness. Uh, like, I call it black crack. Um, <laughs> I, vinyl, you know. And, yeah, it makes me feel a little sick. I must, I'm, I'm, I, I, must, I must be honest, I make bad decisions. In, Spending for, all your money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the sake of records or for the sake of one record or whatever it is. Like, I, I, I'm better now. I can walk by like a pile on the street or whatnot. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh... Disease. Yeah, and made me make some questionable choices. Uh, whether or not it pays off in the long run, I can't really tell. I don't think I can turn these over for the price I pay. <laughs> what was the first record you remember buying with your own money? Um, it might have been... Might have been Stevie Wonder or The Muppets. The Muppets is a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those records are still, they're so good. It's still here somewhere in the other room, I think. Um, yeah, or maybe Mud Honey. I bought Mud Honey really early, too. Oh, no, that was later, though. I don't, I, but it was definitely my money. Because I can't remember if if uh, if Stevie was with, with, with my money or not. Hmm. Uh, or The Muppets. The Muppets was probably a hand-me-down. <laughs> What kind of decisions lead you to buy the records that you buy? Necessity, interest, or is it love of an artist or a label, or does it all just come down to kind of you see something that you like and you buy it? Yeah, it yeah, it's it's kind of a play by the. Uh, like, well, I, I mean, it's been I've 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 only been collecting for, for, uh, um, maybe twenty years, and the reasons have changed over the years. For me, you know, like sometimes I think I need, you know, uh, whatever it is, dance, music, house, mm-hmm. or something to, to f- function. But it's less and less that and just about entertainment for me uh, these these days. A lot of my records have no function, which I love, you know, it's just other than joy. Yeah, I don't buy them out of spite anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. And I, and I don't buy them much for, for the art or to destroy them, although I probably did a couple times. <laughs> You know, just because they were pretty. But uh, I'm trying to slim it down, you know. It gets to be too much. So what were your reasons like when you first started buying records? Did you, was it like a conscious decision? Like, no, I'm going to start collecting records. Uh, you know, I kind of got, I kind of, I, I, I had a small collection in, uh, when I was really small, I remember having one of those like uh, storybook seven inches. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was Indiana Jones or something like that. Very turn, cool. You know, it would make the sound and turn the page and it keeps telling the story. Um, and, uh, but I didn't really have the bug at that point. It was after high school that I got the bug and wanted, like, wanted more and changed, you know, my shopping habits and everything. But that was also coincided directly with, with raving, you know, they were, they were married raving and, and I guess nightlife and nightclubs or, or sound systems in general. Because there was also a lot of hip hop going on at the same, mm-hmm. same time, and that was when you were in high school. Yeah, or just after. Yeah, maybe just after. like yeah. I I I DJed a couple of my high school um, dances. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, but we had like one. There was a kid from Holland, and and a, and uh, he had records, and so we had one turntable and one CD Walkman, 
and uh, and a and a tape deck, and that's that's that was our that was our setup, you know. <clears throat> Maybe two tape decks, uh, but it was only after after high school that I that I really started to uh, spend my money on on uh, all my available money anyway on records. And that was when you were still in Vancouver. Uh, yeah, Vancouver and Victoria. Yeah, they both had uh, Vancouver had like three, four good record stores, and Victoria had one. Um, so and Nanaimo had one. You know, I, I mean. So it was. It wasn't. Uh, or for new records, I mean, mm. those are all for new. New. Mm-hmm. Um, there were lots of used record shops. Um, but yeah, that was, that it wasn't so hard. You know, you just travel around a little bit and shop. I guess the prices were pretty much the same, so that that hasn't changed. I still have a lot of those records. They're everywhere, here. Do you own any records that you never play? Any still in the shrink wrap? Oh, collecting dust. yeah, good question. Interesting question. Yeah, I'm not that kind of collector. I mean, there's, there's completists and then there's, I mean, I'm, I, I want to use all my, my stuff. I, 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 it's not a part of the function of the object for me is spinning around and getting and making sound. So no, I think I've cut everything open that was shrink wrapped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a high value collector. In what ways are you using your records? Is it mostly listening at home, or mostly you're playing things out, or it's a combo for sure. Yeah, I, I listen to I listen to records all the time here, and then I you know yeah that's my uh, one of my jobs I guess is playing them, but that's part of the reason to have them for sure, or that is the reason to have them for me, to listen to recreate those. But I guess as you said, there's some people that collect things and it needs to be like mint condition pristine put sure, away sure yeah yeah that's a whole other style of collecting that's not my that's not my um that's not my way i mean that's the vast majority of collectors i think or it's perfect it never comes out of the box i heard about a hockey player who would bend the bend the card when you asked him to sign it ruining the card right <laughs> ruining it the value of the signature but i mean also signature has value too well so. that was the thing you know he was trying to he was trying to balance out Right. right, the whole thing. <laughs> so I started buying records this past year, and I feel like I just am not one of those people that's ever going to get into like spending all my money on records because I can't get my head around the, do I want to spend the money on this? What 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 makes it worth it for you? What makes a purchase worth it for you? Hmm. Yeah. I guess if I don't understand it, but it, there's something because I listen to them in the shop. Or well, there's two kinds of shopping, I guess. Listening to and no listening. And I do. I used to do a lot more like no listening, just because it was really cheap, and I was trying to get as much weird stuff as I could. I, and I found a lot of stuff. But listening to it in the store, uh, I mean, I still make mistakes all the time and buy things that I I, I probably shouldn't have, mm-hmm. um, the, or that I regret. Yeah, it all comes down to that moment and really trying to trying to be open to it, you know, to what might be good or not. And it it, it it's just whether or not it puts its hooks into me, you know. You mentioned that uh, sometimes you will buy something and you don't understand it, but you know there's something about it. So is there an example you can give me of something you've bought that feel free to pull one out if you want? Uh, that I don't understand. That you didn't understand or that it kind of spoke to you in a way that you weren't really sure about and then... Well, the Jane record right there, you know, this, this, I didn't know, I don't know this band, I know this label. Uh, but, uh, um... This is German, metronome, brain, metronome. But, uh, you know, and I, I didn't know who they were. And it's not a typical brain record, I think. Although I don't, I'm no expert in the label. But I put it on and, I, and, and it's like kind of a, well, it's awesome. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure what to think of it. It definitely doesn't have a function for me in like the clubs or anything. Mm. Although maybe I've made an edit out of it. It's a nice picture though. It's cool, <laughs> right? Yeah, they seem like cool dudes. And uh, yeah, I know it, it grew on me so much. Now I, I absolutely love this record. I don't know. I would have picked it up just because of the label. Yeah, good scene. So I guess a lot of the people that I've kind of spoken to about... I don't know, this, not problem, but this issue of kind of not being able to justify spending money on a certain record, uh, spend a lot of their time hunting for rare tunes, like who can, who can find the rarest tune. Yeah. Um, does that, is that something that you think about? 
it, like you know, I've I've had times where where I've not bought things for weird reasons. Like I think it's too popular, or all my friends own the same record. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 later I've come to regret it because then they turned out to be rare, or 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 you know, I've ended up loving them, and it takes me another ten years to find them again. You know, I I, I see the value in, in rarity. I mean, those are the only records that end up being worth money, rare ones. And obviously, I see the value in them. But at the same time, I, people ask me a lot of times. They come up to me and say, when I'm playing, they're like, "Hey, you know, that's a hundred dollar record," which immediately means it's rare. And I think, well, what the hell? Like somebody's got to play it, right? Of course, it should. Be, you know, if it's good enough to play. Mm-hmm. But do I buy things only because they're rare? No, I can't. Because you know, there's tons. There's tons of that stuff. Tons. I, yeah, it's gotta. It's gotta have its. Uh, I don't know if it was a fishing lure. I guess it'd be shiny. I don't know. It's got to have that right wiggle and shine for me. I, I like so many kinds of music that it doesn't make it doesn't. Uh, it's got to be some something. I don't know. I I mean the list of need to own or want to own is so massive all the time that it's it's more like I don't have the trouble of saying yes to things. I have I have trouble saying no to everything. <laughs> That's because <laughs> he can't. It's too, it's foolish to to have too much. It's not healthy. So there's like you mentioned this need or want to have, which influences you more when you're buying records? Need to have it or want to have it? Oh well, yeah. I don't know. Aren't they kind of the same? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they feel they feel the same inside of me. I don't know. I mean, the the truth is, I some stars some on the right day I could spend all day in there, and and it, and then it just becomes like a you know I have to stop at some point. Mm-hmm. I just have to. So what is your, I don't know what white horse white rhinoceros, whatever this expression is, uh, the the record that got away, which is the one that you are like still saving up for. Oh yeah, I don't know. Uh, I have a lot, I suppose. Um, uh, you know, like recently I found one that took me maybe 15 years. Uh, I found it. And then of course, like a month later, I found it for 20 bucks less. <laughs> it was, and I think it was like 40 Canadian or something. Uh, Esther Phillips version of, uh, home is where the hatred is. I heard it on a, a mix CD from Jay Lev years ago, some kind of disco funk R and B thing, I guess. But, and where'd you find it? Uh, I found it in a, a barn kind of market thing in Edmonton, and then uh, and then a month later I found it in a in a a shop in uh, I think it was Barcelona. Yeah, I almost bought it a second time because <laughs> you know, fuck that. But uh, yeah, I mean, there are so many that that. Uh, yeah, I, I I just try and keep it keep the file open, you know. So when I do see them, I'm, I can oh shit, I have to have this. I suppose I could use a computer and have a want file, but then you know I would probably click blot buy, and then I'd be really fucked. <laughs> do you think that these kind of non-rare records, regular records, have just as much of an effect on the dance floor or wherever you're gonna play them? I think they probably have more because they're they're not rare. They probably heard more, you know. Uh, they're out there more in the real world. If rare, I mean, it. it, it I don't know what what actual number rare is. Mm. I, I suppose that there is a number, uh, but I, I, and I imagine it's probably well over a thousand. But I don't know rare. I I wonder. I don't think like in a club. I don't think anybody cares. I mean, you can't really tell the difference between a rare record and a regular record when you're on the dance floor. It's still a record. I mean, rare can be really, really shitty. I've heard some very, very bad, very expensive records. Not not anything anyone would like, I think, but still $800. $800. Well, sure, I've heard I've heard very expensive records. It, the market is a very, very uh, fluctuating thing, though. You know, there's three known copies of Microwave Boogie, and then a year later, there's... 12 of them surface and it the price plummets $500. I but I'm not part of that scene. I'm not I just catch glimpses of it from people who are. I I I have a limit on a per record basis. Does the search for a record whether it whether it's rare or not or the act of kind of saving up for a record that you really want and finally buying it, does that make it more special to you or is it just kind of 
you know, it is what it is. Uh, it's it's exciting when I find something that I've been waiting or looking for. That for sure, for sure, yeah. Because you know, the, like you say, it's that elephant or that. What well, I guess that's a hunting. Thing. I don't know, elephant, rhinoceros, whale, white right. whale. I'm not right. Really sure oh, the, the white whale. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Melville. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. Well. Yeah, the whale that hurt me. The whale that took my leg. Yeah, I. I <laughs> it is sick. That fits. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's exciting to find something that's been missing for sure. Or, or to know that, you know, I bought two of the right copy of something and it's never out there ever again. That's exciting. Some things are really precious. I don't know, for a variety of reasons. Like, Harko Prant's records. I know he's not gonna, it's very unlikely that he'll ever put out another record. He's, he's, uh, he's some kind of genius who accidentally let three records come out. You know, I don't think he ever wants to do that again. And, and uh, you know, so those mean a lot to me. Or like the donuts, it's just it's sadness in there, you know? It's so powerful, the whole story. It's, it's, I don't know, like Willie Nelson's Stardust is also, you know, heartbreaking. This is all beautiful stuff. Like, and that's a really common record. That's a probably, you know, 50 cents. It's not, uh, he sold a lot of those. Doesn't mean it's... Had music. It's beautiful music. Rare is not like a huge factor for me. I don't sell so many records, so I don't. I still. I just want to hear them if they're good. You know, I'm. I, I'm sure I have some really, you know, <laughs> some rare records on the bottom shelf there that I'm not uh, respecting the value of. I'll save that for my kid. What was the most expensive record you've ever bought? I have a limit. I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't go over fifty bucks, personally. Fifty bucks. Yeah, five zero. And that's been kind of my limit for a long time. Like I, 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 one of the first jazz records I bought was Thelonious Monk at, at uh, in Tokyo, and that was like forty Canadian. I think fifty is my limit. If I, if I really look around, I mean, maybe there was like a triple pack or something that I spent more on, or like a box set maybe. Oh, I spent a hundred bucks on a on a box set of seven inches, but there's a hundred of them in there. Or it's a pretty 50. good deal. It's yeah. a good deal. It's yeah. a good balance. Yeah. No, I, I, like I'm more of a digger. I spent more time buying the cheap ones, looking for the good ones, uh, or buying brand new, in which case I'm investing in future rarity. Never works out like that. <laughs> yeah, this investment thing. It never works out like that. <laughs> never. <laughs> So Jeffrey Weiss, who is considered one of the best collectors, one of the best record collectors in the world, he once said that records aren't fun if you spend all your time looking for them instead of playing them. Yeah. Would you say that's true? Totally agree. You have to listen to them. I don't know. I mean, have you seen this? the stories about this guy in Brazil who's trying to buy them all? I haven't. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what joy he gets from it, but um, he's he inherited a transit uh, company in... I think in the two major cities there are like buses or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he's he's very wealthy and he had some obsession, if I understand correctly, with, with with one album and he found it again later in life and uh and then at that point decided he wanted to collect all the records. Now I don't know what that means. All the records in, yeah, like in the world. <laughs> it's like the definition of madness to me. But they're in in sprinkles out here, my saw he's he's standing on a shipping container on top of more shipping containers in a huge warehouse filled with, you know, like it's got to be millions of records. He's got buyers in, uh, in Europe and Japan and, and they're just they're just buying huge collections. He has a whole company dedicated to He has records. a team of, of, of students who are transferring it all, playing them and digitizing it. I don't know what the end game there is, but I, I hope he's got his own thing. I think he, there's somewhere in the story they talked about him having his own thing on the side where he listens to them. Yeah, of course it's about listening. I mean, what, what, what's the? Well, if if it's not if it's not, then and that's okay, I guess. But it's just you know it could be yeah like tin toys or whatever. You know, where you get books and you don't read them. I don't know. But I wonder what his yeah what his end game is. Like, does he make? Certainly, he doesn't make money off of them, does he? No, I mean, no, no, he and he's them. and he's buying like extraordinary, like there's been a lot of famous collections that have have uh, 
have been anonymously bought in the last 15 or 20 years, something like this, you know, the, the, this giant collection in the South and in the US and it's like a million and a half records or something. You got the building if you bought the records. <laughs> you got the building. And and, uh, and all kinds of crazy rare stuff in there. A, a really sad video online of the man selling his, his stuff and telling his story. Uh, and playing his favorite record. That was amazing. You know, this strange little seven inch. Beautiful song. But... Uh, yeah, that whole thing disappeared, and this guy was, you know, and, and there was another collection here in Europe somewhere, and another one in Japan somewhere, and these huge collections, and no one knew where they went, and it, then it turns out to be this guy. I don't, I don't know, he's going to be the king of the records, I guess. Good for him. <laughs> I, I mean, that's it's way too much. My friend was telling me that he was in Africa or something, and somehow got in touch with this really old man who had this collection of records and he was willing to sell it to him and you know, <clears throat> asked for a moment alone with his records before he sold them off. I think those stories are a lot nicer than people just kind of like needing to buy all the records in the world. I think it should be like a, a an exchange, like a, a sentimental something. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. It feels good. It feels nice. I met I met a man in, in India. I got taken to his house to buy records and uh, he was a religious man and... Uh, he had kept his um, collection a secret from his parents because music was, uh, was, uh, was bad, I guess, with this kind of music. And uh, um, when his parents died, he was finally able to you know, pursue his fetish. But all the while, he, kept a, uh, he had a store or a market stall somewhere else, a business, totally unrelated. And... Uh, slowly started selling them out of his house. His house was really, really very small and filled with records. I don't know, his wife and him lived in this, it wasn't a house, it was a tiny little apartment. Very sweet man, uh, totally crazy experience. Um, he didn't, we couldn't listen to anything, but he had pulled out all these records for me. This is, this, you can smell them, they still smell like India. You can smell Bombay in there. Oh, this cover is amazing. Trumpet, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. No. They're all amazing. They're really amazing. And the, the crazy thing about this guy was he, he knew every single... He didn't have a turntable. And he knew every single record, everybody who was on them, and would sing the songs. You know, he So just, that's how you listen to them. He, just he loved them. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> loved these. Yeah. Yeah, I had to kind of wing it. It was really crazy. The shopping was crazy, but I, it, you know, it was very affordable. He was super nice. I guess lots of people have gone there. And mm. How long ago from, was that? Uh, that uh, maybe five, four, five years ago, maybe. Yeah, I still, I'm still going through them. It's, it was a crazy, crazy experience. Did you buy a lot? I yeah. did. Yeah, I bought a lot. Yeah, way too many. And then he sent me home with more just to check. <laughs> he was so nice, and really, he, yeah, he just wanted to get the music out there sell them you know I, I, I he had so many it was crazy they were on his fridge and like under his bed and leaning over his bed do you think there's a difference between someone who collects records and a DJ who buys a lot of records like what makes somebody a collector versus somebody who just has a lot of these things I don't know yeah aren't they kind of the same like what what what, what do you what do you what's the wedge there the, using them as a function or I'm not sure What's the, what's the difference? Aren't they both collectors? Do you have to DJ? I feel like they're kind of the same. I, 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 I've met lots of people who buy only DJ records and never play them. You know, or dance singles or whatever you call them. You know, I don't feel like they're any less of a collector than me. They seem to be the same. I just got lucky and got to play them really loud. Do you think that there are any of your records as the mole floating around in someone's very special record collection in the world? I hope, geez, I hope that would be amazing to me. That would, yeah, that would be amazing. I, I, yeah, I hope. Gosh, I hope there's some that are expensive. <laughs> there's certainly some rare ones. Gosh. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. That would be nice. Do you make music with the hope that it's cherished in the same way that you treasure your own records? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. I well, no, no. I when I make it, it's different. I, I, because it, uh, it doesn't all um, get made with the intention of being put on a record. It has to kind of evolve out of the studio uh, to that, to the, to the, to the, to the records, I guess. But I do hope that each of the records somehow is 
yeah, enjoyed, actually, you know, put on the platter. I would love, I love it when my my section in the store is empty, and I, and I love to see one of my records, like, really destroyed, really used. That makes me happy. Loved, I, I think. When is the time that you've seen that, one of your records being really loved? Why? <laughs> me, last time, I guess. I've beat the shit out of my records. Yeah, good question. I'm not sure. Somebody else? I don't know. Everybody plays their files these days. I have no <laughs> idea. Yeah, yeah, good question. Somebody told me they bought another one, but they played it bald. I can't remember who. Uh, before this interview, we were talking about the idea that you used to be able to tell where someone's from by the type of music that they listen to. Do you think that your record collection tells or told at some point where you're from? Oh, yeah, I, I, I meant more where the record was being made. You get the sense of where, where the music itself came from. But because uh, you buy things and, you know, there, there was a Detroit sound or an L.A. sound or a New York or whatever, Munich. It used to, in my mind, I used to project that kind of location on things. And that, that definitely changed. Uh, I still, I have a friend who, who, who organizes her records according to city. All her, and she's, she's a DJ and, and it's like dance, you know, dance music. And it's really there, like each, you know, Detroit, Chicago, it's there, there's, they're split up. Um, but, uh, but when it comes to buying, to answer your question, uh, like, I, you know, it's coming in from all over the world. It's getting imported, especially when I started. It was, you know, there's not a lot of records that were getting manufactured in in the in British Columbia. None, but there were in L.A. But we were, you know, importing, importing all the time. You could tell the a British sound against a New York sound or whatever. Why do you think that's changed? Well, I mean, it's the whole Marshall McLuhan thing, right? Like it's a global village. We're we're all connected now. I guess I could be making. Everyone can learn about everything, you know. So it's 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 it's, yeah, it's a different world. I guess you know there there still has to be all this community stuff. It still happens. Uh, um, I I I think those those things where where the where the where a cluster of bands all explode. You know, from one place that's that makes sense, or the Berlin sound. I don't know. That seemed to happen not so long ago. But uh, yeah, it's a global village. Everybody can do anything now. You know, I hear stuff that's you know supposed to sound Romanian, but it's it's a Dutch guy. It's a uh, it's a uh, the internet man. Satellites. <laughs> Satellites changed everything. <laughs> you mentioned that there wasn't a lot of music or a lot of records being pressed in Canada or on the West Coast, but. Certainly there was music coming out of Vancouver when you were growing up. Can you tell me a bit about that? Uh, yeah, yeah. There was, there was some really great uh, um, live acts and, 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 uh, and people making like electronic music. There was, uh, yeah, there was definitely a, um, a lot of stuff from the kind of um, Chicago-influenced house, you know, with, with uh, like Leaf and and uh, and uh, all those guys. I guess the the, the standout song would be uh, Ali's uh, Ali's song, which is still really popular today. Um, what is it? You don't know, I guess. But at the same time, there was all this like really funky, weird techno and trance happening, and I guess that's kind of where you get this whole drum and bass techno trance combo, and people like Conrad. Black and Matt Johnson, uh, um, but there were so many good live acts too at that time. Uh, I don't know what's happening now. I mean, uh, it's been a long time since I lived on the West Coast. Uh, but well, I do know that there's uh, like uh, this new wave of Vancouverites and all their their stuff. That's that's pretty cool too. I I mean, uh, it's it, it. I guess it's been going on for a long time. We had uh, Brian Adams and stuff too, right? <laughs> Yeah, and Barney Bentel. National treasures. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If I had a rocket launcher, right? Oh no, he's. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been it's been a a vibrant scene for a long time, I think. Which is weird because it's the end of the road, right? It's sort of the the end of the world, and so they they're. In a lot of ways, it's you know, 
sending out a, a beacon back because people aren't passing through. You either got to pull them in or they, you know, it's attractive. I guess some people want to go and see it because it's beautiful. So you were talking about this global village concept. Do you think that that's a good progression or a good, is it a good point that we've reached musically? Well, it can't hurt, you know, I suppose it's, that's the, 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 you know, it, 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 yeah, it must be good. What did uh, Victor Wooten say? That's the way to fight uh, hate and, and spread love, music, and playing music and all this stuff. So, yeah, I guess spreading it around, it's got to be, it's got to be good. Uh, sharing and the resources and learning, it's incredible. It has to be good. Uh, I mean, I used to have to, f I used to have to learn everything from the backs of records. Now I could just look online. It's amazing to find out every single record somebody's done. Although it is also really refreshing to see records that aren't there. It's still not a complete catalog. Does that happen? Yes. Yeah, it still does. It's it's harder and harder. It's amazing how everything is out there. There's so much information. It's really outstanding. But, I mean, is Hadza up there right now? I don't know. Probably, actually. <laughs> positive it is. Yeah. So there's a website slash book called Dust and Grooves, and it profiles record collectors around the world. I was reading, reading it uh, before this interview. And what struck me, I guess, is that a lot of these collectors kind of gravitate towards a certain genre or a certain theme because of things that they've listened to in their past. So there's a guy from uh, Nashville or something like this, and he collects gospel records because it's something that was really prevalent in his youth. Would you say that your past influences the type of music that you seek out? Yeah, I guess. It must. Yeah, for sure. Because I have predominantly North American music. The stuff I grew up with, you know, or around. And then, or became accustomed to it at some point. And a huge amount of uh, club-related music, which is also something I guess I was doing when I was younger and still doing now. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean... You got to pick your lane at some point, right? There's just so much out there. How do you do it? That's what you were saying before, right? The, the trouble of knowing which one to actually take home. I mean, I could spend the rest of my life buying Brazilian records, I suppose, <laughs> and be really, really happy. Uh, but now it's just like a treat. You know, it's every so often I can <laughs> take one home. But it, um, yeah, I suppose it's, it's got to be, yeah, from the past and, and, and everything. It makes sense. Or your, how you grew up, yeah. You mentioned you have a lot of North American records, right? Can you tell me a bit about the experience of kind of finding this music and buying it or get, getting interested in it? Is just the nature of being around that growing up? Or, I mean, I guess you could have also easily been interested in Dutch music because of this Dutch friend of yours, right. for example. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, I did get a lot of imports uh, just because it seemed like for some reason, we were buying Chicago records that came via the UK or whatever. I don't know why. But, uh, uh, I mean, the North American thing is just because it was there and mm -hmm. in abundance. You know, it, it like, especially in the the, the old uh, dollar stores, you know. It, it, they're, the records aren't flying very far. They're getting left behind. And... Uh, yeah, that was the that was the the I you know I didn't even realize that I had such a North American uh, collection until I moved to Europe mm. and started looking in the bins here and see and not seeing the same consistent the same labels mm, seeing same. what else was out there kind of thing. yeah yeah suddenly seeing all this different European pressings mm. maybe still North American music maybe not but or some familiar names and so on but yeah like uh, also all this crazy European stuff and Eastern European and yeah now like. The story with India, when I go somewhere different, I try and take a little souvenir, you know, some Japanese music or whatever mm -hmm. it is, some Mexican music, mm -hmm. just to have a, have a, yeah, a, a souvenir, some memorabilia and uh, whatever, something else weird to bring home. But uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it's just North America. I mean, North America made so many records. They all just sat there. So what is the sound of North America or like the prevalent sound, maybe in Canada more specifically? I mean, Canada, specific, like Montreal is very famous for all its disco. Mm -hmm. You know, it cranked Jazz out incredible. Well. Yeah, everything. 
everything. I mean, Chong is from Vancouver. You know, he was in a band. It's a pretty rockin' band. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. The, the one thing I think that is interestingly unique at a certain time for North American Records is how they sound. When they got the close miking happening, I think it was like 73, suddenly it's all, you know, bottom. It's, it's bass and, and kick drums suddenly way up front. This fatness, which, uh, which uh, I, I guess, you know, Jamaica took to another level. Uh, uh, but uh, going around, uh, I won't, like that, that this, this Indian record, which is probably from the 80s, won't have that same cut to it. And I don't know where else did it. I'm sure there are lots of places, but because uh, I'm nowhere near... It's too vast a world to be an expert. Uh, I'd have to be some kind of savant, but, but uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, up to a certain point, it seems to all be North American and, uh, and Jamaican with this big body, this big bottom. And then everybody starts to catch on, sort of. The, the, and still, this is the thing that the, the dance music fights with all the time, making them sound louder, you know, getting those grooves as wide as they can on there. So you said that when you moved here to Berlin, your tastes expanded or your horizons were broadened. Can you tell me a bit more about that? What what changed for you in terms of buying records or seeking out music when you moved here? Well, um, reading the Bachs, you know, reading first of all, because you know, different different language, but then all new <laughs> all new names uh, and uh, and. Uh, yeah, it was like opening a whole new, uh, a whole new world. Trying to trying to tap into like I've never, I can't read Polish. You know, <laughs> I have a whole bunch of Polish records. They're awesome. Polish records are amazing. There was a really, really good music scene there for quite a while. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I don't know how to read that stuff. So it's just like a massive amount of education trying to figure out all this, all this new, new stuff I've never seen before. But that, you know, it's it's exciting. It made the. 10 or 15 years previous his work seemed pointless for a little while I was slightly discouraged to not see names and recognize them and know like okay gambling off like you kind of feel like you knew so much and then you come here and realize yeah, how little yeah. you knew <laughs> but it's it's balanced out I was just a, it was a, it was only a moment of like of uh, disorientation and then right back into the into the trouble of just buying way too much so what is a an exciting or interesting discovery that you've made since moving to Berlin musically? Um, like n new new music? Yeah, someone you've discovered that you hadn't heard of before you moved here. Oh, God, it's too much. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd never heard of Tim Maia before coming here. Uh, or uh, Jane uh, Kowalski, you know? Uh, Connie Plank, I didn't know anything about Connie Plank. That guy's a genius. Uh, there's too much. Uh... It's been 10 years. <laughs> I, have, I mean, just today. What did I learn today? Uh, I have to look at what I play, but it's, it's, it's always, it's ongoing. I mean, it's amazing. One thing I've changed, I think, uh, if I, if, uh, um, because there's, well, with the internet went away the, the um, vast stores with the global market. The vast stores of 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 uh, um, fertile cheapness shrunk considerably. Experts would come in, the five o'clock in the morning market guy, you know, before the market opens, cruising through, pulling out the specialty, the specialists, mm -hmm. the internet salesman, and uh, it didn't, doesn't mean that it stopped because somebody's. You know, aunt is always going to empty their their garage, or you know, finally throw away their son's collection. So it never it never uh, stopped. But for me, I noticed that when I came here, there was even less of those places, those dollar dollar store warehouses. You know, the the marché of uh, books and 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 records. And I've I've become more of a fan now. I guess I'm also becoming maybe a little lazier. I'm more of a fan of, of the, the paying the expert uh, curator, store curator, right. you know, a little, a little more instead of spending 
whatever hours with with whatever money I have hoping to find a a thin stack of blue notes or something mm-hmm. you know special and that has been really interesting because there there are some real uh amazing like there are some amazing resources of people out there who curate and do this incredible job of pulling together stuff I would never even look at like who um like uh like red light records in amsterdam you know i think that's like i i don't know personally but i think there are like four buyers and they're just out all the time and and the store is small but you know there's something interesting on every record or um hang on let me find the card because <laughs> I, I can't remember the name but i just went to this place and it was it was amazing uh, Hito, Hito Zoku, in in uh, Hito Zoku in in uh, Kyoto, another like tiny store. He's got less records than I do, and way more interesting ones. You know, there's <laughs> there's, yeah, it was it was fascinating collection, fascinating original copies of Muladu and weird Soviet folk music and, you know interesting but these are like I'm an amateur I just buy these things quality over quantity I mean I guess there's a really big difference between that guy that wants to buy all the records in the world versus this guy that owns a record store in Japan right right mm-hmm. I, have you seen this 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 uh, um, this movie Vinyl out of Toronto no this guy made a movie uh, he broke up with his girlfriend and he's trying to figure out why he has a record collection. He has a record addiction. And is that why they broke up? Well, this, <laughs> the whole movie is, is really about him trying to understand why they broke up. Right. And I guess trying to blame his collection. <laughs> and uh, throughout the movie, he leaves a crate every night and films people taking them. Uh, but he goes around and interviews all the major collectors he knows or mm-hmm. has known over the years. And they're, of course, freaks. Uh, they're That's... That's the comedy of it all. <laughs> yeah. is these these freaks. Otherwise, it's really sad. The whole the whole breakup thing. But uh, but he um, he interviews one guy who's convinced that he does have all the records in the world, and he's like a total lunatic, you know. And 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 this madness is addressed, mm. you know. He's 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 like you know that's crazy. It's impossible to have them all. And he's like, go ahead, name me anything. What do you want? I've got it here. Dire Straits, look at that. There it is, Brothers in Arms. And it's it's madness. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's totally crazy. So, yeah, trying to own everything is just fucking crazy. It's crazy. I mean, do you think you're also a little bit crazy? Well, for sure. I mean, look at this. This is stupid. <laughs> I have doubles and triples of things. It's it's bizarre. I, okay, you could pretend that that's all for work, but it's not. You know, it's... <laughs> Or all of this, I guess. It, yeah, for sure. When I when I slow down, going by a store and wonder, am I gonna, you know, how much money have going I got back in my to pocket? The sickness we were talking about earlier. <clears throat> yeah, I've got a little bit of the dumb in me for sure. <laughs> Is there an artist or a genre that you didn't understand when you were a kid or when you were growing up that you never thought you'd be into, and now you listen to or now you like? Kind of like if you didn't like tomatoes when you were growing up, and now you like tomatoes. Oh yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably. That's a good question. But that I intuitively disliked before, I mean, yeah, for sure. I, it, it keeps on changing. Which, you know, that's, I guess when it stops, I'll, I'll quit. I, I gotta keep learning. Some stuff that I thought I probably wouldn't have liked that I do like, you know, yeah, probably. You know, I probably thought some stuff was sissy when I was really young. Uncool. Yeah, 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 just wimpy somehow. You know, I was really into Zeppelin and ACDC, so... Right. Everything else was probably pretty wimpy. Hendrix. You know, if it wasn't... If it didn't kick ass, then what's the point? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, now I'm pretty open. There's lots of music I don't understand. There's lots of stuff that I, I just don't get. And, I'm, and, uh, and there's lots of music that I love that I don't fully understand, like Blakey. You know, that's advanced music. Um, I just don't have the education, but, uh, but it doesn't, I still like, I love to listen to it. Uh, I guess I don't have to fully understand it to be moved, but there's a lot of stuff I, I just don't feel for sure. I mean, that's normal, 
still. How do you see your tastes heading in the future? Where do you see your taste heading in the future? How do you see it evolving? I don't know. It's a good, good question. It's it's tough to, tough to say because I I want to keep stretching out. You know, I don't want to get bored. Uh, but I guess it it depends on the uh, on uh, what awesome store opens up close to me. You know, if uh, there's this shop in uh, Istanbul that is fucking amazing, and I don't think the locals really love it as well. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. <laughs> But he has like five bins of Soviet music, you know? If he was close to me, I'm sure I would become obsessed with Soviet music. But uh, currently, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I'm, I'm sitting in between uh, uh, three great new record stores. Yeah, Hard Wax and, and Space Hall and Oye. And like, I can walk to all of them. Uh, but then there's all this used stuff around. Yeah, I don't know. Tough question. Tough question. I, I'm, I'm still... Still figuring it out. Still, still, still making discoveries all the time. I mean, fuck! I bought a German record in in Japan. Why did I go all the way to Japan to buy <laughs> yeah. a German record? It was there. It's a it's the luck of the draw, I guess. I don't I don't I don't buy online still because it's it, it somehow strikes me as too easy. I guess I, mm-hmm. I want to have it in my hand and really and the store and the social setting is also part of collecting for me you know it's not going through them and here being surprised having the the clerk or the curator or the the owner or somebody else in the store turn me on to something it's all like a really uh exciting part of the process for me it was and that's something from my youth like that was the place where we would meet and hang out you know my friends but we didn't have cell phones so it was like (laughs) I'll see you later. Oh yeah, okay. Like, what time? It's like oh, I don't own a watch. Some guys had beepers. But beepers, well. What are you gonna do? You have to tag them and get try and get them to call you back. At so it was meet you at the store. Yeah, I'll meet you at the store. Cool. You know, and sit there for hours, and socialize. Yeah. So where will it go? I don't know. I don't know. I bit. I have been buying a lot of Brazilian records. I guess that's those are the cherries. But who knows? Yeah. Good question. It's always changing.